them up, knock them down. I'm the greatest in my town. I'm the greatest. What's up, guys? Uh, welcome to the OGFY podcast. I am Caleb here with my boy Luke, best friend, business partner, partner in crime, like we always talk about. Um, and we just got done last episode with a great podcast. I'm um, probably one of my favorites so far. Um, we talked a lot about fear and um, overcoming those fears. And uh, this, this episode's uh, pretty cool, I think. I think we're going to dive into some really cool stuff. And this kind of piggybacks off of that idea of fear. Um, and we can jump right into it. I mean, me and you, we played baseball whole life growing up, um, different sports. And a big thing that comes with sports um, is like superstitions or rituals or like how you get prepared. You know what I mean? Um, everybody kind of has their own little thing when it comes to that, whatever music they listen to. Um, if they wear tape on their wrist, if they wear this wristband, you know, whatever the case is, everybody's kind of unique in their own way. Um, and so, I mean, let's pass it over to you, Luke. Do you have anything that you used to do or still do? Um, we can go back to like high school or maybe, you know, growing up about, you know, maybe some weird superstitions that you had. Oh man. Uh, yeah, a ton. And it's like, maybe sometimes they were registered superstitions. Other times, um, they were like signals, like I would do it to myself and it would like remind myself to do something else. Um, other times it's just parts of like habits and routines. Um, as far as like superstition, you know, baseball is a weird superstition. Sport, <laughs> yeah, it is. One, baseball players in general, we're just weird, you know, we're <laughs> just a different breed of people. We think we're hilarious. Most of the time we're not, you know, we just, we're weird. Uh, Definitely. There's plenty of things if you look into baseball of just the seventh inning or something like that and you rally caps, you know, that's a superstition. And then you have um, superstition of you can't step on the chalk lines. That's, that's bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? A superstition of mine was a really funny one, at least, again, to me as a baseball player. It's funny to me. <laughs> but uh, I was 12 years old and uh, we were down like eight runs. So there was no chance we were going to come back and win this game. You know, it's last inning. And we were getting just smashed. And I was just like, something has to change. So somebody was like, let's go, let's go. Like, let's say, you know, like the cheery words and like, you know, trying to be like the, the cheerleader. And I go, uh, cherry pie. And someone's like, what the hell does that mean? I go, I don't know. I'm just saying something totally random. Next pitch kid on our team hits a home run. And I was like, okay, hold, <laughs> hold, hold on for a second. Hold and the phone, like, Cotton. It was like, you know, you have to say it again. I said cherry pie probably 400 times so that inning we came back and won and I used to say cherry pie from like 12 years wow. old until I, but I would always say it to myself after like that team because people would be like how are you saying cherry pie for like what are you yeah. hungry? what's going on so like when I read like superstition on like the notes that we wanted to follow tonight I was just like superstition uh I have one cherry pie when you're in a dire situation yeah. that works and I've actually used that in uh it's, it turned into something funny you know uh when I was younger and then like as I grew into situations of like uh i'm gonna go into a, an interview or um i've got a, a lunch with somebody important or a phone call that's coming up or something like that and cherry pie is just one of those things of uh hey things have been in the shitter before and uh hey the turnaround things been all right so yeah cherry pie started as like this little thing when i was 12 years old now it's just like i'll say cherry pie to myself randomly and it's just like my own little cue of just like hey we've we've been in situations where odds are stacked up against us and we figured it out man so Cherry pie is like my little superstition <laughs> ritual of just like, uh, hey, dude, it, it, it's probably going to work out because it has before. Absolutely. I mean, we can go out and talk about how OGFY itself was kind of a little weird signal superstition um, totally. before we go work out. 
Um, but personally, like I had a lot of weird ones. Like, first of all, I was obsessed with wristbands, like growing up, like the, you know, like the, the bands that go on your arm. Um, I mean, I remember me and Jake Smith had to be matching, but wearing opposite wristbands. So like I had to have a gray one on my left and he had to have a gray one on his right. And then I had a black one on my, you know what I mean? Like baseball wise, it was super weird. Um, I had to do the same thing every single time I went out to pitch, like how I kicked the rubber, where I stood on the rubber, my same warm up every inning. Um, I definitely knew if I had a shitty bullpen, I was going to pitch great. Like if I had a shitty yeah. bullpen. You used to tell me that all the time. Dude, I, I like uh, before I threw my no hitter, I'm like, I'm bouncing it, dude. I remember Coach Gonzalez was in the bullpen like, dude, are you okay? Like, should I start you today? And I'm like, I'll be fine. Like, don't worry about like, I'm bouncing it. I'm like, oh, this is a good sign. Yeah, you know I mean, and uh, so I come back in the dugout, how's your bullpen? Shitty. All right, it's going to be a great game. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and then just little things like football, I have to get ready like super early super early yeah. is like my thing. I, I like to be ready, have time. Um, I have to wear eye black. I wear eye black. I put it on, I smear it down. Um, doesn't matter the time of day, the one time. And I think the last seven years that I didn't wear eye black, the one time was against Northwestern my junior year and I blew out my knee. Um, it was the one time I didn't wear eye black, super crazy. And then I got hurt in the bowl game last year. Cause I had a weird thing with my mouthpiece. I wear a gray or not a gray, a clear, um, like binky mouthpiece. And I forgot it. We went oh, to you play with a binky? That's adorable. Yeah, I know. It's funny. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, but I forgot it. And then I got hurt in that game. So I don't know. I have weird little superstitions that I blame things for, I guess. Um, and on the podcast, I was listening to my first million podcast, uh, the one that you kind of put me on. Um, he said, you know, superstition is a co-word for fear. And I don't really agree with that um, in a sense, because I don't think you're scared. I just think that's something like you said, like could be a signal, just maybe reminds you, maybe relaxes you um get you ready to play you look good you feel good you play good like if you feel out of whack you're not doing what you normally do you're not confident and that's just I don't think it's totally. I think it's just feeling prepared and feeling ready you know what I mean yeah and I think that was from uh it was Ben Aspirin is his name right Aspirin, I don't know ben if Ben Aspirin. said it I don't know if Ben said it or not oh, I, but, I um, think it was Ben because Sam asked him if he if he has one and he's oh, like okay. oh, I'm going so Ben Aspirin uh for some of you guys don't know he's a uh, UFC fighter he went 19 and 2 in his, uh, in his MMA career He's an Olympian uh, wrestler um, and a business guy. He, uh, like, dude's just, dude, no success. You know, the dude's performed at a couple different, really high levels. Um, and I think in the context of what he was saying was the idea of, uh, it's a cold word for fear if you rely on it. If, like, you oh, okay. weren't able to get to your thing. So say it's just, like, you have to listen to three songs, for example, like, before you fight. Say, Taylor, Taylor Swift, I mean. Totally. And, like, Lauren, <laughs> Lauren used to, would only pitch if she listened to Kid Cudi. She would only like her softball like playlist. It would be it would be Kid Cudi. Yeah. For me, bus drive high school. It was Maroon Five. That was just that was my playlist. That was You're going. Sugar. Oh my gosh! Yes, no, not baby. that one. That's that's just a trash Maroon Five song. Ah, uh, I love it. But, uh no, she will be loved. Uh, that's that. That's my song. <laughs> for sure. We'd sing it. So I listened to four times the word every game. <laughs> but it's one of those things of like, uh, if you don't get to it, and that gets in your head like oh, that's the reason I'm not going to play well today. That's the reason yeah. why I'm not going to speak well or clearly or I'm going to fail. And because then it's just like fear. And it's just like, you're, dude, you're focused on the wrong thing right there. Because that, it doesn't really like, you not listening to that song didn't affect you in the box. It didn't affect you talking to that guy. It didn't affect you in the interview. It didn't, you know what I mean? Like that. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I agree with it in that context. It's like back in the day, like, you know, when someone got a new bat and it's like, dude, the bat doesn't make the hitter. You know what I mean? Like, your preparation, the way you practice, you know, that makes you, or the glove doesn't make the fielder, you know, whatever it is. Um, totally. 
the what is it that the uh the sword that doesn't make the warrior you know whatever whatever you want to tools of carpenter yeah there you go that's a good that's a good have one you too. never heard that before it's not the it's tool not the it's tool? the carpenter yeah i i haven't but you know there, there's a new one i guess i mean you can come welcome, up with a million different ones welcome to the world there um but I, I i agree with that in that context um i mean like baseball players like you said they have a ton of different weird routines they do before they get in the batter's box i mean you have like all these kind of drills that you go through like i know when you're pitching you step off you find your um i forgot what we call it now um you find kind of like something on the either the fence or in the crowd something that's going to be there so like in stressful situations like you could calm yourself you know there's always and, something to come back to your mechanism yeah yeah so a funny one was uh, on the oc giants uh hopefully some of you guys are listening um coach bobby gold was awesome and so the starting pitcher that day you had to tell like a story right um it had to be i mean funny raunchy whatever i mean some of them were kind of crazy dude like you know what i mean pretty nuts and um a lot of them were about like guys girlfriends so they would you know have to tell a story about them and their girlfriend or whatever and it'd be funny and then like when you were on the mound you know the third baseman would be like hey you know whatever your girlfriend's name was like hey lauren lauren they chill out lauren let's go yeah i mean it kind of like make you laugh whatever um so that was kind of their little pregame ritual some good times great team great coaches um oh i've i've got a i've got a good story to build off of there and that's uh one of my so the equivalent to the giants for like of those teams for me my summer ball team was that uh, all-star dugout bulldogs yeah, yeah um so one summer um coach who's probably i think he's the best catching coach and one of the best hitting coaches in southern california um coach bb if you're listening because i'm pretty sure you are uh, i would see him every day at uh training at core catching on uh on instagram and twitter <laughs> and every other social media um but he let us choose random numbers for the summer because he was just like he thought it was like trying to be like, you know, so we're 16 or 17, 18 years old. So he's like, did you guys are all being like too pretty? You guys worrying too much about what you look like, the swag, like the bat, the glove. And he's like, just play ball. He's an old school guy. Mm-hmm. So he made everybody to choose random numbers. Because <laughs> so, it's like, you know, when you don't get your number, like that's your thing. You're known by that number. I mean, for 100%. you, your social media accounts have been like your numbers ever since you've been on social media. 100%. It's my identity, so, man. So you know what my number was? 102 i was the only person in the league with a three-digit number there you go and it was awesome because people used to always ask me like what is that and then one day i said it was my prison cell number <laughs> that was my cell number and i said it to a kid that was like two years younger than us I mean, the kid was damn good he was playing up two years and he looked at his coach and he was like what coach? yeah <laughs> what the hell this kid was in jail and ever since then, it was, like, my thing. I would, like, say whenever, like, I was – I'm, like, you know, it's a prison cell number. Like, and it was, like – for some reason, it gave me swag and confidence because yeah. everybody else was, like, dude, this guy was in prison? Me? If you know me at all, no, I was not in prison. <laughs> Definitely not in prison. But it was just one of those things. Yeah, it was just, like, a weird confidence ritual thing. I would say every single game I wore that after I initially told the story. Yeah. And, every, and then every single game, I would, I would, like, get people asking, like, oh, hey, so you were the one in prison? Yeah. <laughs> Just don't ask where. I can't tell people. It's like, I'm not allowed to. <laughs> it's like people would be like, what? Yeah, it was just like a weird ritual confidence thing for me. Well, I mean, that kind of, it's funny, that kind of tapped into like an alter ego, like we talked about last podcast of that, you know? Totally. I mean? Totally. Yeah. It's totally my alter ego. Also, it's just like in the longest yard when that the linebacker has like X on his. Oh uh, my God. I love that. Number. <laughs> That's <laughs> like what it was. <laughs> I want to so, hurt him, not kill him. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, what's funny about that number thing is like, if you watch the Patriots, uh, when they go into training camp, they give all their rookies, like rookie receivers are in the nineties. Yeah. Like so you see these studs out of college were in like 92. And it's, it's funny because we do identify with numbers so much. I remember when I got to Washington state, um, you know, beforehand, I saw that they put up um, numbers in the locker room, right? So I'm texting River. I'm like, hey, man, hey, can, you, can you find my locker and send me a picture? And I remember, like, an hour later, he sends me a picture, like, incoming image. I'm like, oh, shit, I get to see my number. And he goes, 38, ouch. <laughs> I'm like, hey, man, I've never loved number 38 more than I love it right now. You know what I mean? And then um, it's funny because a year later, I got to change my number to 83. And then Riley Krenz hit me up. He's like, hey, bro, can you find my locker? And it was 38. And I had, I had sent him the same thing, 38, ouch. And he said the same exact thing that I said. He's like, bro, I've never loved that number more. So I think it kind of goes hand in hand. Like, if you're handed a number, it's like, do you want to make the most of it? Um, or in your case, like, fuck it, I pick a random one and I'm going to roll with it, you know? Um, make it a number. Um, exactly. Exactly. Build a story around the number. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what kind of goes into, like, the superstition, preparation, um, ritual type thing you you have a routine right and you're supposed to follow it and then okay all of a sudden like you said uh fear kicks in because i'm out of i'm out of whack my routine doesn't go how it's supposed to i i missed this or i didn't get to do this on time or you know whatever the case is it, out of your routine that kind of made you feel out of whack um i mean that's life i mean life is pressure situations how you perform under pressure is huge in any aspect of life um and a cool thing that we did training down in orange county with you know uh, Les Spellman and his crew um, for speed and getting ready for like, you know, the guys going to the combine and, and us other guys doing our other own combines and pro days and stuff like that is one day we showed up and we're so used to this routine and doing all this stuff. Right. And we show up and none of the coaches are talking to us. I'm like, Hey, Peyton, what we got today? And he's just like, and I'm like, the fuck dude, that was Peyton's deal. Then I'm getting less is kind of over in the corner talking to somebody and, and me and Ethan show up and we're like, dude, what the fuck's going on today? And then uh, Peyton goes, all right, on the line, we're, we're uh, running 40s in 10 minutes. And we're like, what the fuck? We're testing in 10 minutes. Like, we didn't do any. We go through a warm-up. So we're all kind of stressing, right? And we don't know what to do. Like, we're like, he's like, get warm. Do what you got to do. We're like, dude, what the fuck? So we're kind of just going through it. And we all tested and did so shitty, right? We did terrible. And afterwards, Les pulls us up and he goes, well, this was your first stress day. And, you know, he's like, I expected that to be shitty. I expected you guys to underperform. I, you guys weren't ready. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, but what do you think it's going to be like at the combine or at your pro day? It's going to be fucking stressful. And so um, I think what's the right word for it? Um, like, I can't, uh, simulating, like simulating these stress oh, days. Yeah. yeah, sorry. I couldn't think of it. Like simulating uh, like game day. Like there's nothing that's like game day. You know what I mean? But you, mm -hmm. as, as close as you could possibly get to those pressure situation those stressful situations i thought that was an awesome concept that him and his team incorporated because it really i feel like i probably got some of those guys so ready for the combine because no one's talking to you you don't know anybody in your group i mean maybe you do but you, nobody's talking it's super professional you got uh scouts are everywhere yeah you know i mean and you got to be able to relax and go perform and do what you've done a thousand times so um that was another thing they talked about on the podcast dude that's uh i think in that podcast i talked about it too but it's something that i always thought was really interesting so if you Look back to when uh, McGregor fought uh, Mayweather. Um, you know, it's a fighting-themed podcast today because I'm wearing my Muhammad Ali t-shirt. It's my <laughs> favorite t-shirt I ever have. Uh, but so when McGregor – so we went over to fight in boxing, you know. So it's like 
if you don't know the two sports, like, yeah, they're similar. Then, but if you know the two sports, it's like, yeah, but they're like wildly different. And like, oh, I mean, boxing, like, that's just like, they're totally different besides the fact that, yeah, you're just, you're trying to hit the other person. Like, yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah but then well, there's like every other like rule and technique and like, you're allowed to use your feet and your legs as yeah. choking out and as opposed to just throwing punches, you know? Yeah. So there's so many different things. So McGregor did not train the same at all compared to like how he normally does in UFC. Yeah. Because one, there was going to be a lot more people, like a lot more eyeballs. It was also going to be the biggest fight in history. So he would just simulate, uh, he would simulate the time he would only fight at the same time the actual fight was going to be. So that's the only time he would train during the day. He would have his hands wrapped up fully like he was going to box the same way he would prep for the actual fight. Yeah. He would fight a new fighter like for the, up to like the four or six weeks before whenever that training was. He would fight a different person and he would have a different like um, – what's it called? Like the, not the judge, but the guy in the ring. What is that referee. person called? Ref. Uh, so yeah, they'd have a different ref every single time. So it's just like he would never feel comfortable. And he was yeah. just trying to like heighten the senses and heighten the stress yeah. to make it like as real as possible. It was just like – if somebody at that level can do it, then we can figure out how to like create those simulations in our day-to-day lives every single day. Absolutely. Embrace discomfort. And that's, that's where growth is. And that's where like, you know, you, you hear Arnold, Arnold talk about in pumping iron, like those last sets where it hurts, he, he's going to bust more out because that's the, that's the growth, you know, I'm discomfort, I'm tired, whatever. Um, and it's funny that you talk about that preparation and kind of doing the, the time frame. And right now during Corona and stuff's getting shut down again, uh, sports, all that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a really weird time. You can't really get a routine. You don't really know what to prepare for. Um, and the cool thing, a guy that we personally know, Nolan Arnado, um, you know, went to Toro High School. We grew up, you know, watching him, and he has a great career in, uh, uh, for the Rockies. Um, and I saw a thing on him that he is literally going through every day like it's season right now. So he's waking up. So if it's like, say they got a game on Wednesday, he's waking up like it's game day. He's going to his private facility and going through his whole routine like it's game day, uh, kind of simulating whatever it is that he's going to do that's a game. Yeah, you know I mean? So he's literally going every day like this year like it was supposed to, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, you know? So I thought that was a pretty trippy, um, you know, concept that he's doing. And it's awesome because, I mean, think of all these guys that are either, you know, I mean, the professionals are probably getting working, but some guys aren't. And you know for sure some guys aren't. And Nolan's going to be like, 10 steps ahead of everybody because by next season he's already had another season under his belt he's totally. already a vet again these guys have been you know hopefully they're working out whatever but like i said he's literally doing the season um so that was a cool thing that i read and i saw um so shout out to nolan and jonah great family great people and fernando the, the, the whole yeah. gang all of them awesome. um and then it's one of those things that uh so we're fortunate enough to know they are not us and um but it's more of the yeah he's he plays pro ball and he's really good and everything, but like, that's cool. Great. Everything. But like, if you know the Arenados, <laughs> you know that the, one thing about them is that they're the most competitive bunch you'll ever meet in terms of anything. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're trying to see who can spit the farthest, who can take out the trash, the nicest, the quickest, <laughs> put the new trash bag over the trash can, wiffle ball, anything. They're the most competitive bunch I've ever seen. And there's a reason why they're all so damn good at what they do. Do. And I think uh, it comes down to the preparation is a big part, if not the biggest part of that. Because, I mean, I've seen Nolan take ground balls with no baseballs. Like Kobe Bryant used to do – Kobe Bryant used to be in the gym for hours and hours and hours. And Shaq used to walk in and be like, dude, what are you doing? You don't have a ball. And you're the only person in the court. You made the 
He made like the guy who works here and turns on the light drive all the way to Staples and turn the damn lights on. You don't even have a ball out here. Like, what are you doing? And then Thanks years later, you're like, <laughs> years later, you're like, you were doing something, and there's yeah. a reason you were doing it because uh, I, I can I can see that it worked. And then to riff off of that Kobe Bryant idea, he said something in the talk one time where it was just like, uh, if you are trying to be great at something and you're young and um, you can sacrifice, like for example, two hours of sleep. And you wake up two hours earlier every day. Say you train, for example, say you train like two hours a day, uh, five days a week. So it's 10 hours. Uh, and even if you take weekends off, so you train 10 hours a, a week. If you just happen to train two more hours a week, you literally have, or two more hours a day, you break down simply to a day. You literally have like trained for two seasons in one season. And then yep. you train for four seasons in two seasons. And it like makes up those, like, it builds off of each other. Compound effect is unbelievable. And it's just like, say if you just do that and you train for three and then or four, and like maybe it's not all physical and you just put a little bit more preparation and effort into it. You're getting, it, you may go into like the second year at your job. You know what I mean? You might be in marketing. You know what I mean? You might, you might be going into like you're just anything, a lawyer, anything. And technically it's your second year, but you put so much prep and extra work in that like you're the fourth year vet, you know, in terms of the actual work. And that shows. Dude, that's the I, – I have two points. Uh, so one of them is Nolan, and I remember when they played the Dodgers uh, in you know, the series that they are going to play the Dodgers and they're in, in L.A., his only off day that weekend, he'd come to El Toro and take ground balls. And we're like, so only off day, you can go out, you can see your family. He's at the field taking ground balls. This guy was a psycho, a uh, slave to his craft. He loved it. He was – you know what I mean? It was awesome. And obviously, you see why he's so good. Another thing to go off of the building of those minutes that you're training, it's the compound effect. Um, it's a great book. It talks about um, the magic penny. I don't know the exact numbers. I'm going to butcher it, but it's like, if I offered you, um, I think it was a million dollars right now or the value of a penny doubling every single day. So, or the, the penny doubling its value every single day is better. Way yeah. to what would you take? And everybody's like, Oh, I'll take the million. Right. And, but, it goes to the math of the penny doubling its value from one cent to two cents, two cents to four cents. And then it, it keeps going. You know what I mean? And then $20 turns into 40 and it just, it keeps compounding. And by day 31, like a whole month, you have like $2 million or something, whatever it is yeah. of the value. So it's like, it's just, it's just another, you know, way of saying that things take time, a uh, little progression and just little things build up into big things. So um, I think that compound effect is a hundred. I mean, it's just like, why would we wake up at four o'clock in the morning in high school? Just because nobody else was, you know I mean? That, that was our whole excuse. Like, fuck it. We're going to wake up earlier than everybody and get more day in and just do more than everybody else's. That was our mindset, you know? Totally. Um, and those two hours of work may or may not have helped us on the field. They did do a degree, but they certainly helped us like off the field. They helped us mentally. You know what I mean? And that was absolutely two more hours, three more hours of, of just mental reps of just like being tired and dealing with it and figuring out how to like operate the rest of the day while you're just tired. You know what I mean? And just those reps, treated us as, as we grew older you know oh yeah i mean it definitely hardened me up it got me ready for a lot of things that were thrown at me it's like dude i'm used to waking up at four in the morning so if i gotta go do this for football or this or yeah i mean and, and it sounds stupid but it's like it's a, it's a real thing and it's it, it goes right into my like right into kind of a next topic is kind of consistency like okay you woke up at four o'clock for a week that's awesome what are you doing you know week two week three week four my favorite thing ever is fall camp fall camp is my favorite thing ever i like to be the first one in the building right and it's funny, first day of fall camp, we're in there. Oh, there's 20 guys there at, at 4.30 a.m., right? You know, 
day two a little bit less, day three a little bit less, you know, day, day five and six, it was me and Lucas Weber in there. Yeah. I mean, at four 30 in the morning and it was, it's just funny, like consistent. And that was my goal fall camp. Like my, one of my goals of the day would be the first one in the building. I remember Lucas is such a psychopath. He like texted me at like, like four o'clock, like, dude, you're there like three hours early. I'm like, you can have that. Yeah. I mean, like he was, <laughs> he was there way too early just to beat me. Like, so, I mean, but yep. so it's good to have people that push you to that aspect, but and this kind of goes into the consistent consistency of the initial hype curve that they also talk about on that podcast, which I thought was an awesome point. And it, it's just like, okay, I'm waking up early. I'm kind of excited, man. I'm at the gym at four o'clock and something new. My pre-workout's hitting. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm starting to see a little bit of gains. Okay. And then day two, day three, you know, my, I'm starting not to feel as hyped up and I'm tired and whatever. And you kind of hit a plateau of either, you know, results or maybe you're not feeling as good. Um, whatever the case is, whatever you're plateauing at, um, that's where you got to be consistent and keep driving through because that's when the most growth comes because everything you do that first time you do it, you're going to be super excited. That's that initial hype curve. Like I'm so hyped. Like you talked about, uh, you can talk about what you um, told me before the podcast about when you buy all the things and the bells and whistles for your new project or your new sport, and then you find out you suck at it like you're supposed to, and then you don't want to play anymore. Yeah. It's the idea. It's uh, I watched the video today and it's uh all the gear, no idea was like the name of the video. And I was like, okay, that's intriguing. I'm in click. And then that, <laughs> it just talks about this idea. And it's just, um, say you want to, you know, you want to be a damn good fisherman. So instead of learning what kind of fish, like what kind of bait and what kind of area. So it's like, instead of coming here locally, throwing a line in the like Newport pier, for example, like so many people have done successfully for years and saying like, okay, there's fish here. This is what they're using. I, I'm going to do all that. No, instead, like so many people do, for example, they buy a boat, they soup up the motor, they get the carbon fiber, like fishing poles, you know, they get the sonar, they bring the beer, they bring everything like, and it's a $400,000 trip. They go 50 miles off, you know, into the sea. And then all of a sudden they're like, I have no bait. I mean, I don't have a hook. Yeah. Just grab the basics because you don't have to fish, you know, you just bought, bought all the shit to make yourself feel good. And this is very prominent. And I've definitely been guilty of this too, because it's like an easy thing to make you feel like you're like getting actual work done. It's like, you want to start a business and you build a big old website, even though you're like, I don't know what I'm offering people. And I don't know if anybody wants it. I don't know if I can even prove that I can help people or it's just yeah. like, I'm going to get in shape. So I have to buy a Lululemon like shorts. I have to buy Nike shoes. I have to buy this pre-workout, the protein, the yeah. fat burner, all of this stuff. And I was just like, Oh, it's 800 bucks. And my weight is still the same. And it's yep. still day one. And you know, you don't need all that. What you need is the work, you know? Absolutely. You need the same, the same, for example, you need the same 10 pushups on day 30 that you did on day one. That's what you need. Absolutely. And what's funny is I have a couple of things off that too, is like a freshman year of high school, there's guys that have coming in, they have the sickest cleats. They got the new ones. They got all this shit. Right. Ethan Aguayo came in wearing like rubber land sharks. And I mean, if you play football, you know that the land sharks are like, the, no offense, the, like not the best cleats to wear, you know, especially as an incoming freshman. When you're younger, it's different. Incoming yeah. freshman, you're like, this kid's wearing land sharks. And this dude, Ethan, was balling, dude. Like every position, he was a stud, returning kicks, receiver, DB, played everything. And he, like his swag, like he didn't care. He wanted to play ball. He was a baller, you know. So you don't need all that extra shit to, to stand out or, or to look better, you know what I mean? Um, and then another thing I was going to go off of that was, I kind of forgot. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> well, I, I used to play with a kid. Um, and what's funny, you said you forgot and I forgot like, 
Yank kid's name, but it was one of those. It was one of those kids on the team that was just like, "You show up. If it's a baseball bag, you show up with a Jan Sport. One pisses me off because you like show up like looking better than that, and showed up with like cleats. And and mind you, this kid came from a a wealthy family, so it wasn't like he couldn't afford it thing. And he showed up with a Jan Sport, and he like always said just didn't care. And I was just like, dude, like have some respect for the game. And he, all what really pissed me off is because. He never brought his own bat. Half the time he'd borrow a glove, and he was so damn good. He was so good. And I'd be like, dude, like, don't you need a bat? Don't you need, like, the, the nice glove or the cleats? And he's like, dude, I just come here and play. I don't care. I'm just like, and he used to, like, piss me off until, like, a few years ago like, after I, like, saw him again. He was still playing, and I wasn't. I was like, dude, he's still the same kid. And it's just, it's the work. You know, it's, it's not the tools that's going to make him play that well. It's just, like, the mindset. just like, I'm, gonna, I'm the one using the glove and the bat and the cleats and everything. You know what I mean? They're not using me. 100%. So it's like it was like a kid that I like learned from, even though he was like younger than me. I was like, dude, like, what, what, what do you know that I don't know? And it was just, it was that he just he figured it out early that it was just like, all the bells and whistles are not going to make you a better fisherman, aren't going to make you a better ball player, aren't going to make you a better businessman. You know what I mean? You are going to make yourself a better one of those. Absolutely, and you start somewhere, and like you said, that that's what that was the point I forgot. So I was out here in Hawaii, um, and I got with a group of kids. And I remember, like, coach is going over coverages. He's going over routes, and he's, he's doing this kind of stuff. And he's like, hey, man, this, this is probably super elementary to you. You know what I mean? And I was like – and it, it, it was funny because I'm like, hey, coach, the same thing you're going over right now is the stuff that we go over in a Division One re- receiver room. Like, every day of fall camp, we go back to the basics the first day. We go back to install one. Like, you have to – those basics that you learn never leave you, whether it's, you know, T-ball to the major leagues, whether it's Pop Warner to the NFL, I promise those – basics and what you've learned I mean they might manipulate might change over time I mean the games are constantly growing but you know the foundation of what you learn are going to stick with you like you're going to run like defenses can only change so much routes can only change you know what I mean like you're going to keep learning the same shit it's just perfecting what you learned you know being a master at your craft tell you know um Warren Buffett who's um, still I think the top 10 richest people on the planet um I don't know if it's still true to this day but it was years ago he um he would read for six hours a day in the morning. Jesus. He'd read for six hours a day. But the one thing he had to read every single day was the Wall Street Journal. So he had to read the Wall Street Journal, and all he was doing was just studying stock and history. You know, just like, what companies are doing? What, what's making them do that? So that guy, he ends up buying Coca-Cola, which is now, you know, one of the biggest corporations on the planet. And um, he looks at, like, okay, how – so we sell about 36 million cans a day. I'm going to raise this by one cent. I'm going to raise the price of a, a can by one cent. And you learn that through history of just like making small changes like that over time. Oh, yeah. Most customers don't, don't realize. And then you look at it like year over year, they made like $40 billion more because he raised it one cent. And it was just, but, but it was because he knew how knew to do that because it was just like he read the Wall Street Journal, did the prep yeah. every single day. And he's done it over and over and over. And that's why he's one of the 10 richest like billionaires on the planet. Dude, that reads right into the compound effect book where it literally talks about, okay, so if you have a Keurig machine, but you still every day stop at Starbucks to get a coffee, right? Say that coffee is $3. And then it talks about- I couldn't like, name 10 people off the top of my head that do that. Yeah. Well, and it says like, if you, if you trade in those $3 or you pocket that $3 instead of spending it every day on a, on a cup of coffee- it's like, I, I guess I don't remember the numbers, but it's like over the year, it like adds up to a shit ton of money. And then over 10 years, it's like, so can you imagine if you just use your Keurig machine or if you have an alternative to going and spending $3 every day, 
Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. or it's kind of like buying in bulk and then, you know what I mean? Or totally. I, I'm so guilty of I go grocery shopping and then that night I go out to eat dinner. It's like, dude, I just bought all these oh, yeah. groceries. Oh, totally. Just lazy ass, just go cook your food. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. So, I'm so that person too sometimes. Yeah. The amount of money that you can save or, um, you know, information you can retrieve or whatever, just those small, subtle changes in something can, can totally add up and compound and be huge, huge in the, uh, towards the end. Um, and another thing that I kind of wanted to talk about, which, uh, you know, it kind of got my mind spinning is like, we talk about this initial, initial hype curve of like new sports that you play. And I started to kind of think about like other difficult sports. Like people don't realize like how difficult sports are. You know what I mean? Like, like hitting a baseball is like, you know, like they said, like one of the hardest things in sports. And then mm-hmm. we don't think about softball where like Jenny Fitch struck up the entire U of A baseball team, like up and down, like nobody yeah. can a softball, nope. yeah, I mean, or pay, nope. playing a position like third base at softball is like, like how close you are to the hitter if they hit a, a fucking lenient at you, dude. Like that's yep. that's yeah. So just going off different sports and, and difficult. Oh, dude, uh, yeah, this is broken down in sports science. Um, remember that show, Sports Science with yeah, John Burgess? Great show, great show. I actually I met John Burgess one time. He is just as energetic and that type of person <laughs> in person. It's awesome. But no, I think. If I remember correctly, you know what the hardest thing to do in sports is? Uh, based off of sports science, so I mean, yeah, who knows if it still is true? So yes, I, what do you think? I, I, I thought it was hit a baseball. So no, that was like second, and it's like hit a baseball at like ninety-five miles an hour. You have like point three re- seconds to re- react to respond. Like that. Yeah. So there's something like, and there was basically basic, that was like basically the reasoning of just why it's the hardest because you have like the least amount of time to respond. Yeah. So one more guess. What do you think it was? Golf. Okay. Well, you're not creative. <laughs> it's uh in soccer being the goalie and stopping a penalty kick oh dude you're guessing like, you're, you're literally totally guessing, guessing like oh my gosh we used, to, we used to do that like the charger olympics and you'd have to like one person would kick and one person would be the goalie and be like how no. is pro this is so stressful how you how do you do this i'm gonna go out on a limb right now and say fuck playing goalie okay like so me well here's another like i used to, i fuck around with Minnie all the time like i'll play goalie i'll let her kick dude they kick the shit out of that soccer ball First of all, if you're not wearing gloves, you're breaking a finger or something, and you're, totally. you're guessing half the time. Like, if you watch, mm-hmm. like, people, like, oh, what the hell is that goalie doing? They dove the wrong way. It's like, dude, do you know how fast that ball is coming? And first of all, women's soccer in general, I think, is a fucking tough-ass hard sport, dude. Like, those girls go at it. I think they're way, they're more, so gnarly. They're they're so way tough. more entertaining than the men. Yeah. Uh, they're better than the men, I, I think, in some aspects. Um, but, I mean, that USA team was unbelievable. That was awesome. You know what I mean? Um, the same thing with, played it. with uh, softball. So Lauren was a pitcher, and you like, in high school. She was like, "Do you want to catch me?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'll try." She threw one pitch, and I was like, "Nope, dude. never again." And it's been like, dude, I, I don't think I've actually actually tried to catch her when she was like full blown throwing, like actually throwing. I think in like seven years, because I was like, no, no, that was so scary. I have no idea how you just made that ball happen the way that you did. It scared the shit out of me. Bro, she still throws hard. We played catch with her, like, what, a month ago? And I was like, oh, my God. Like, you still yeah, have she still throws gas, dude. Hold the phone, Cotton. She's got a cannon. <laughs> she's got a cannon. Um, no, but uh, another funny thing, me and Trey went to the park um, with Minnie and Maddie, and we literally would just go back and forth playing, like, like they'd kick and we'd be the goalie. And, you know, and, dude, that shit is hard. Like, like you have to have respect for other sports. And, like, uh, my, one of my sister's friends plays water polo. Dude, water polo is hard as fuck. Oh my like gosh, treading, you're treading water. water and trying to throw a ball. Like, dude, like there's so much shit that you don't even think about. Like when you're watching other sports, you know what I mean? 
Oh yeah, no, tre treading water is like a nightmare of mine in sports because I've tried before, you know, because I was like, I was probably like 18 or something like that or 19 and I was like, dude, I wonder like, how hard is it to do this Navy field workout? I saw it like online. Yeah. And the first thing was, it was like, tread water for three minutes and I was like, oh, warm up, easy. One minute, I'm like, yeah, so I'm not going to be in the Army Corps. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Dude. I'm not going to be a SEAL. And <laughs> these people, like, and they're, they're, they're pulling on you, they're kicking you, they're stabbing you under the water, dude. Like, yeah. like underwater, it looks like there's no rules. Like, the, No, totally. And that's also uh, golf, dude, to me. Golf, yep. One, I just, I've had such a, dude, such a hatred for golf for so long because <laughs> it's so hard. So it's hard. so difficult. For how many baseballs I've hit in my life, and the and I played hockey, so you know, swinging, the fact that I can't hit a damn ball that's sitting on the tee taunting me, and it, it pisses me off as much as anything in the world. It's so hard. I look so unathletic trying to hit a golf ball. Dude, I'm, I'm so tight. I'm like I lo I'm so tight. Like it looks terrible. I mean, my my roommate um, in in college, Kyle Sweet, huge golfer, and him and, and then when Trey came up to Washington State, they'd always be like. Yeah, hey, Foss, we'd ask you, but we just know you don't want to. I'm like, yeah, I do not want to golf. I suck. I'm terrible. Um, a lot of my yeah. friends in football are big golfers. Griffin, man, and my boy Griff loves the golf. And I wasn't into it until I started playing Wii Golf, okay? Started playing a little bit of Wii Golf. Mm -hmm. I felt like my stroke got a little better. I think I'm going to the driving range <laughs> when I get back home. Okay? okay, good. We can do it together because yeah. Lauren, Lauren just bought clubs because, again, that's another sport she's better at me than. Dude. And, oh, my God. Yeah, cool. Plan. Dude, so my last um, hard sport that, well, besides anything like in the water, because that's just ridiculously hard. Is, I can't swim. I mean, I can swim. Well, no, I can swim. I, I used to get saved by the lifeguard all the time when I was a kid. Was she cute? <laughs> it was a dude all, most of the time. So, you know. Yeah, next topic. Um, <laughs> so, no, dude, what's really hard is skateboarding. Skateboarding is hard. Dude, it's so hard. I would rather... I would take my money snowboarding. I would take my money wakeboarding. I'm, I'm a half decent wakeboarder. I'm not great, but like I can get it up and clear the way I can do all that stuff. Dude, skateboarding is so hard. It's, yeah. I don't know if it's a fear of just like falling on a hard surface as opposed to like the water or snow, yeah. which is probably what it is. But like, I'm a, I'm still an athletic dude. I'm so unathletic. Like I would take, I would take my three-year-old niece on a skateboard over me. Oh Yeah. Dude, that shit is I, – I, I tried to do it when I was a kid growing up, and it's, it's really tough. And I've always said, like, dude, if I could be a pro skateboarder, hands down, would, would choose that profession. Like, Rob Deerdeck and, and Nigel Houston, like, you see all these guys making all this crazy money and sponsorships are sponsored by dope-ass companies. Like, all the companies that we wear are, like, skateboarding companies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's their thing, and it's, it's awesome. Um, I think skateboarding is a badass sport, or, like, BMXing, that kind of stuff, like motocross or, like, X Games type shit. Yeah, dude, um, extreme, all those extreme sports are super interesting. Crazy. Even the, uh, mountain bike riding, dude. Like people dude, who go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, man. Dude, they like do these crazy, like, um, they stop on their front wheel and turn off, dude, like on the side of a mountain. I'm like, dude, you guys are, I told you I was watching that documentary, like on yeah. extreme sports and like surfing Mavericks dude. and fucking crazy way. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Like, I don't, I mean, I think it's a sport. I don't technically, I mean, if not, I'm calling it a sport because it's crazy. It's bouldering. Well, well, surfing, yeah, that's a whole yeah. other thing. Again, more water, and then, you know, who knows if there's sharks. <laughs> Mother Nature, sometimes she's pissed, and there's big waves, all those things. <laughs> but, you know, bouldering, like rock climbing without being actually hooked in. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> like, crazy. Dude, you're missing something. Yeah, you're missing something in your brain if 
you have the confidence to do that because I do not. And you're rad. You're awesome if you can do that. And I support you, but I'm not going to watch you. Bro, I watched the crazy documentary on that too where a dude like would camp on the ledge of a fucking like they'd hook up. Like I don't even know how to explain it. They would pitch their own tent on the side of a mountain, bro, and they're hanging and sleeping. Like yeah, that- on the mountain front, like dude, like they're they're psychos. And like the back to the, the documentary, like this dude was surfing waves, almost died, almost drowned, and he goes, Yeah, I'm going back out. I'm like, dude, you almost died right now. Like they, they don't care about risking their life. They're adrenaline junkies, they love it. And I think it's badass i tip my hat to them and i'm just like dude i would love to try that but i just know i won't like yeah it's like i would love to say in my head that i would try that yeah don't ever force me to try it because i'll probably bail so and then i think my top three like badass like i think crazy tough sports are i mean in no particular order but like hockey rugby and ufc i think are like, first of all, you're a warrior, and that movie is awesome. Go watch that movie, Warrior. Oh, it's movie. fucking sick. Tom Hardy's traps are huge. huge. Um, I mean, you're locking yourself in an octagon, and only one person's coming out. Like, the thought of that, like, you're a modern-day gladiator. Like, football's cool and all that, but there's all these soft-ass rules now that protect us soft receivers. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, and DBs, <laughs> um, I don't like the rules either. I think that there should be – um, an attribute of going across the middle and taking hard hits. I've done it plenty of times. It sucks, but you guys get kicked out for targeting, and I'm sorry. But the UFC is like, dude, I mean, it's fucking nuts. Like, you're going in to fight somebody. and Oh, it's the most – what's funny, I hate when – I hate it when people just, like, say how stupid it is, which is, like, I get it. Like, maybe you disagree with the fact of, like, yeah, I mean, it's ridiculously violent, and, like, you're literally going in there to beat crap out of each other. Yeah. It's literally what you're doing. But also, it's like, there's – that is like the most warrior like thing that we could possibly have. You know, because oh, there's, oh, yeah. there's medical people on staff, so they're taking all the precautions we can while still allowing the sport. Yeah, it's badass. They, and it's just all the risk involved, and it's just like, yeah, dude. I mean, but, people that can, that can, that can do that, uh, just, I think they're impressive, man. And also, like, the conditioning it takes. Pro. <laughs> because it's like, yeah, the cardio and everything, but realizing that, like, People who don't do things like that don't realize the effect that adrenaline has when you're that heightened all the time. And as soon as you crash, it's like a, it's a ridiculous oh. crash. So Dude. like for your body to like operate with that much adrenaline for that long and then to crash, it's like it's hard on the, on the human body to be able to do that. For people listening, I challenge you to go do a punching bag, a heavy bag. Go punch a, a heavy bag for – I'll give you three minutes. I was going to say go two. Do- yeah, Mike. Go try three minutes. So, and then championship yeah. rounds are five five minute rounds, bro. And you're getting punched back. And yeah. the thing people don't realize about UFC is there's so much technique. There's jujitsu. It's mixed martial arts. There's so many different yeah. types of fighting that like you have to prepare yeah. for. So this guy can kick me or take me down, then choke me out while punching me in the face. Like, dude, there's just so much <laughs> to worry about. And like you said, you crash probably around round two, round three. And if you have two more rounds to go, bro, you're fucking gassed. Like, you have yeah. to be in incredible shape. The technique has to be there. It's a it's a beautiful sport, dude. I love watching it. I I dabbled in it growing up. It's it was probably my first love, and I still dabble in jujitsu. I just love the sport. Um, I want to stay around it. It's it's badass. And then um, I mean, we can go into hockey. I mean, hockey you could literally fight too, which is fucking. I remember when I went to my first hockey game. My uncle is a big Ducks fan. We used to go to the Ducks games, and I remember my first hockey game he took me to. They fuck. They threw their gloves down and started throwing blows, and I was like, what the fuck. <laughs> like it was legal i'm like you're just allowed to punch this guy and they're just grabbing each other and just wham wham and the crowd's going nuts I'm like this is fucking awesome like what the hell this is a sport like 
It was oh, awesome. yeah. It's just like, there's one thing to fight, like, on the ground. There's another thing to fight on skates on ice. Yes, yes, it yes. Is, it, is, <laughs> it is impossible. That's awesome. You might as well try to walk on water and try to fight somebody. It is so unbelievably hard to keep your balance. Dude, people... Because I, I played hockey for a while, and then again, again, there was a reason why I stopped. Uh, people kept getting better, and I kept staying the same. But it's just like, that is a very, very skilled thing to have to do. I mean, because you're always skating in a direction, and you have to handle something that you can't see, because you can't look down at the puck. You look down at the puck, you're going to get blindsided. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, you get blasted, yeah. But then you also have to know where four other people on the ice are. You, know, you have to know if you have to pass or shoot. You have to know about the rules of like offsides or not. Like, it's a very, very intricate game. And it's sure. like an, it's like an awkward like stick to hold. It's like all curved. It's like curved in two ways. And like, dude, like even like the physics behind the game of hockey are like really, no really, really, really intricate. Dude, and so yeah, no, people who are good at hockey, it's just like what you are way more athletic than people give you credit for. Oh my god! Like the whole thing, even skating, bro. I remember like I, last time I tried to go like skating, I slipped on the ice and like smashed my head. Like I'm an idiot. Like I, it's it's hard. So like that's what happened. <laughs> Well, I mean, I was, I was also a little kid, so, but, um, there we go. Everybody, I mean, that's why I'll save it. Yeah. <laughs> that explains everything. Glad you're fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I think what's trippy about that sport as well is that there's literally a position where you go and piss people off and start fights to get that guy out of the, um, off the ice. Oh yeah. No, the literally. Enforcer, uh, right? Isn't that your position as an enforcer? Yep. Yeah. You're in the enforcer and like in your contract, you have incentives to fight. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. No, like, uh, my um, my brother-in-law's uh, buddy used to play for I don't know who he plays for now, but played for uh, the Blues, the Ducks, Pat Maroon, and like, um, so he was an enforcer. And like when I heard that, I was like, wait, wait, you get, like you get paid more, you get a bonus. Yeah. Or like and for penalty match, you get bonus for like get going like in the penalty box. It's <laughs> That's like awesome. Besides the fact that you get punched back, like that sounds like a fun job to me. But yeah, you're gonna pay me to like fight, but we also have pads on, so I'm not gonna get my ass totally kicked like MMA. Like I won't get crazy hurt. Yeah. Okay, I could. They'll, do they'll take some licks though, dude. They they, oh, they they will take some licks, and it's because well, you can't really guard like you can't really protect no. yourself, so you're just grabbing and you're just throwing boom, 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 boom. Well, it's like throw it, boom. Yeah, because it's like one of the only things, the only like uh, versions of fighting where you're like, dude, don't slip and fall. Because it's yeah. like, don't worry about that when you're fighting on, like, the ground. You're like, okay, I'm not going to slip and fall. Yeah. More than anything, you're like, I can't slip and fall. Because, one, you hit your head in the ice and you crack your head open. Yeah. Two, you have blades on your feet. If you slip, you're going to slice your throat open. You know what I mean? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. No, and it's like – and then, <laughs> three, it's freaking cold. The ice is cold. Yeah, like, there's a lot of variables where it's just like, okay, this is a little bit tougher than I've always given these people credit for. Yeah. And I think my last sport on that is, uh, which there's tons of crazy hard sports. It's not like, you know, this list is going to continue. We'll probably talk about more just in the top of my head. Um, rugby is, I think is awesome. I never played it. Um, one of my uh, boys growing up, uh, Aaron Matthews is a study just got drafted. Um, I think he went like second overall or maybe, you know, something crazy. Top five for sure. We yeah. Saw top five. yeah. Um, he's, he's awesome. He's, he's badass. I love watching his highlight videos. He's always been a stud. Um, but that sport alone is just, and what's crazy is they say it's safer than football, but I mean, you're not wearing any gear, but I think the whole science behind it is like, I don't probably, I might be wrong, but it's like your tackling form has to be so on point because you don't have gear on that. It's like safer. Like totally. people keep their head up. You know what I mean? They have yeah. a specific form. Um, there's some bad dudes that play that game and they got their eyes bust open and they're fucking yeah. 
crazy shit happening to them. They're torn ACLs and they're going right back out. Like, tape me up, dude. Let's go. And I'm like, dude, you guys are psychos. Like, yeah, it's probably like the, the mental of like the person tackling you. Also, no, he doesn't have any gear on. So he's yeah. like, uh, I could throw 100% into it, but I'm going to hit him with like 75 because it's going to hurt me too. Yeah. But what's absolutely. really funny about uh, Aaron's like, Aaron's like a, one of those fighter guys. So Aaron's like one of those people who's just like, okay, if you think of a rugby player, you're like, okay, you're going to be a mean, like mean individual. Like, you're tough. You're going to be like that guy that everybody's afraid of. You meet Aaron and he's like the nicest, most yeah. respectful dude. You would have no idea. I was just no going to say, dude, great and, family. It's also, and it's also like when you're one of those fighters, it's just like the best fighter in the room is always the quietest. You know what I mean? It's always the person that never says a word. He's always dude. the most respectful. There's nothing. He's never the one making the scene. And the person that was the most insecure fighter in the room is the loudest person in the room. Um, I have two things on that. First of all, Aaron Matthews is, is yeah, like one of the nicest kids ever. I mean, we, we hung out together so much when we were kids. And obviously college, we went separate ways. But every time we come home, it's like a party again. We all hang out. Um, great dude, great family. Um, Irvine Chargers days when we grew up, it was awesome. Um, and yeah, he's a badass rugby player. I'm so excited to see what his future holds in, in rugby. Um, and like you said about the fighters, like, it's so true. Like, you know, I, I've learned, like, you know, kind of growing up, I have uncles that are in the sport, cousins, and, you know, and kind of dabbling in it. Uh, you look at ears, right? The cauliflower ear tells a lot. Like, if he has cauliflower ear, you probably shouldn't fuck with that guy. Yep. Um, but my dad told me, like, dude, the guys that, that bark a lot don't have the biggest bite, bro, because they're so insecure. They have to, like, That's put on a show. Calls. You know yeah. what I mean? And the most badass dudes are the quiet ones. Like, like you said, Aaron, bro, he's all, he's hella cool, but like, I wouldn't fuck with him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you, you know, Ethan, he's super quiet. And then you want to get on his bad side, he'll fuck you up. So it's like, I remember I was, uh, I was working at our bar. I was bouncing at the time and it was like my second day or something. And the fights were on and there's a dude from Reno kickboxing that would always come in. He owns the gym, badass dude. He, I went there a couple of times. He shredded up. He fucking kicks the shit out of people. He kicks so fucking hard. Um, and he walks in and I, I mean, he didn't really remember me, but I knew who he was. Uh, we sit down and Larry, who's training me, he's telling me, he's like, Hey man, if that guy ever gets in a fight, just don't jump in. Yeah. I mean, just, that's one of like the only, like, you know, usually you're supposed to jump in your bouncer. He's like, that guy gets in a fight. Just wait till after clean up the mess. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so we're sitting there and this dude comes in and he's being a dick. He's drunk. He's like mouthing off to the guy. And he's like, Hey, aren't you like that? Like kickboxer dude? Like fucking are supposed to be like badass, you know, like fucking show me something. And the guy's like, Hey man, I'm here with my girl. Like, trying to enjoy it you know enjoy the fight man can you please sit down you know just being super respectful and this guy's like no man get up i want to see what you got like all this kind of shit and he like kept just egging him on egging him on egging him on and then he goes all right if i go outside with you shut the fuck up and the guy's like yeah yeah let's go let's go let's go and so they go outside and i asked Larry, I'm like what do we do he's like nothing man just just kick back just just wait you know and this dude took him outside and i think it was like a total of five seconds kicked the shit out of him he fell to the ground knocked him out and went back in Sat, put his arm over his girlfriend and drank his beer and continued to watch the fight. And I asked Larry, I go, I go, what do we do about this guy? He goes, fuck that. It's not our property. We go back inside. <laughs> Leave him out there. I was like, holy shit. Like, so, I mean, that was like one of those things where it's like, you know, just be careful. You never know. And then also like these jujitsu guys, bro, like they might not look like, like a guy that would be a typical fighter, quote unquote, like yeah. I had a jujitsu uh, instructor in Pullman, Washington, who looked like he would work at a desk, you know, no offense to him, looked like he'd work at a desk or like he wore these glasses when he walked in. He was super skinny. Dude could wrap you up like a Christmas present, bro. Like, and he was super strong. The strength is different. And it's about like yeah. knowing when to relax and tense up and just being so like fluid with your body and just manipulating yeah. people. And it's fucking awesome. Yeah, this is definitely uh, turning into a lot of, a lot of uh, fighting episode, but I dig it. There's a lot of things <laughs> to learn from fighting, man. There's, um, my dad had uh, 
had me on a heavy bag when I was, um, I was want to say four or five. I mean, that's literally, I have a tattoo uh, on my ribs of like something like, um, it was like a symbol for each person in my family. For my dad's boxing gloves, because it was just like a, a thing he always taught me. And it means a couple different things, but like, I've always had a, um, an appreciation and a respect for people who are just like, were willing to get in the fight, uh, you oh, know, yeah. because it's like such a met- like metaphor and like for life, you know I mean? It's just like, are you willing to get in the fight? Because that's, that's a thing in life. You know I mean, are you willing to put your hat in the ring and you know, and then it's also the idea of fight of uh, having people in your corner or having a sport team and be willing to have people in your corner. That's a whole other like, aspect of, the, of fighting, you know, that people don't really talk about. And then, then the last aspect of fighting for this, like example of just like, getting your ass kicked and getting knocked down and getting back up. You know, it's a simple love, get knocked down seven times, stand up, stand up eight. And it's, uh, it's just like something about fighting is I was just like, these people, um, they get those concepts really, really well. And it's something that I can always apply to my life far beyond if like, I'm never going to get into a fight or an altercation or a train or any of that stuff. It's, it goes way, way beyond that. And I love that because, you know, we have a small circle. I mean, we're, we're, we're friends with everybody, but who we let in is, is very, you know, kind of you have to be my, my one rule is you got to be a down motherfucker dude like you got to be down like and you got to get ready to roll when, when shit gets tough and like you said like fight back and um the, the people I roll with guys girls whatever I just know shit goes south that they got my back and if that yeah if that is a fight like they're gonna back me up like you know I know that you're gonna that you're gonna jump in and have my back no matter what I'm not saying you know you can take that different ways I just mean being down is like 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 whose car are we taking? Like that's like the most famous fucking line, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. no questions asked. Like we talked about burying a body, like who you call in type shit. And just being down and like family and having your back. And I have so many boys that I mean, all my friends. I mean, going I have my different group of friends, like I had so many different like scenarios pop up to my my mind, but like just little ones where we're at the Reno rodeo and this dude's mouthing off to uh, you know, me and her friends. And before I can even get a word out. Riley Neville is grabbing this dude and taking him to the fence and starts bombing on him. And I'm just like, dude, holy, like, and then I see him later that night. He's like, yeah, bro, I had your back. The guy was about to come after you. I'm just like, dude, like that, like, that's just family. Like, dude, fuck, don't even think twice. Like that's family. Fuck that. Fuck you. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, shout out to Evan Acker and Joey Moscatello and Gabe Serta. I mean, I didn't talk to those guys for, for what, like, like two or three years. And I called them one time, like, Hey, Evan, I'm in trouble, bro um i need your help i need you to meet me somewhere and this dude didn't even hesitate and said i'll be there in five minutes i haven't talked to him in three years i'm like that's family bro yeah you know i mean like didn't even mm-hmm. hesitate didn't ask me what's going on what the scenario was just said i'll meet you in there in five minutes and he was there and had my back yeah you know i mean and you were there obviously you're always there you know so you you have your your friends and family that you just know that there's unconditional you don't even have to talk to like if we don't talk for like a couple of weeks which is very rare but you know like me and ethan during football season or whatever we don't talk for like a, a month or two or whatever and we come home and it's like, like, you know, like nothing ever happened right back where we left off. And that's just, I think kind of the whole aspect of fighting and just being down and, and just kind of shows family and your true colors. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I have like, I mean, I, I have plenty of examples of those, but like two people like that are on both sides of the spectrum is um, someone I talked to shit almost as much as I talked to Lauren is Kyle Yama text me. Like he texted me yesterday. Hey, how's work? Yeah. But it's like every week he just texts me all these things. And I like, sometimes I'll text him, but he checks in with me every week and it's one of those people who are just like uh i'm in a just you know I'm, it's just a shitty week i'm not feeling it i'm like kind of low i'm moving slow you know just like I feel like life's not rolling dude like kyle happens to text me that time every single week and he's just like dude 
you got it. What do you need? Like, how can I help? Let me just listen. It's just like, he's that dear. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then there's uh, Brett Bohan, who I've known since I was literally <laughs> six months old. But he's one of those people who was just like, he went to a different high school than we did. And so it's like, we talked, but it wasn't like we talked every single week. And then after uh, high school, we were in college, we started talking more and more. And like, now him and I talk a lot more often. But like, he's one of those people who was just like, if I didn't talk, for him, talk to him for seven years, hey, dude, I'm in trouble. You're, you're one of the few dudes I call it. He goes, yeah, I don't care where I'll, I'm going to hop on a flight. Like time and place, man. Where, where's that? He's like one of those people. And it's just like, it doesn't have to be one or the other, but it's just like building up that relationship, finding that trust with each other, building like, but building that like security of just like, uh, when I'm down, you know, whether it's that literally I'm going to get in a fight, somebody's like something's happening or, Hey, I'm having a tough week. And I just need someone in my corner. Like, and then like, whether that's like, Hey, I need someone, I just need to rant to somebody. Like sometimes that's Lauren for me. And it's just like, I'll say something because it's like to say that I'm always positive is it's a lie. Nobody's ever a hundred percent positive. Sometimes you're just like, dude, I need a sounding board. I need someone just to rant to you. And then sometimes like I'll say something more. It's like, we'll flip it around and be like, uh, we'll think about it this way. And I'll always keep going. She's like, okay, Luke needs this today. And like, dude, it helps. Even if it's just like, I'm being lame and I'm just like, just bitching. Sometimes I need it for like 20 minutes. And then it's just like, dude, that helped me. And like, nothing's actually as bad as I made it up in my head. Absolutely. But she's just like that person. Like that sometimes she's just like, you know, she just hears it and listens. And then it's just like, even Trey, Trey and I will talk like, sometimes Trey and I won't talk for six weeks, dude. And then it's like, uh, so it was a FaceTime with Trey. It's never a phone call. Yeah, he had always this. But it's, uh, which is cool. And I appreciate it, you know, because it's like, it's an even more like authentic conversation when it's just like, okay, yeah, like, what are you doing? And it's like, our phone calls are always two hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, but it's always that just that check in, like, hey, if anything was wrong, I know that we check in with each other immediately, but like just checking in now, how you doing? But it's just like having those, it can take a lot of different forms and it can, you can go to this person if it's like a more intense physical altercation or you can go to this person just like, Hey, I just need a sounding board, you know, but just building that, those people in your corner, in the ring, you know, it's just like, uh, it's just something of just having your team building that circle is I think really, really important because as much as people think that they're, they can do shit alone, they can't, you know I mean? You can't do anything alone. Like you in some capacity, people are supporting and helping you and you just got to find those people. Dude, I, I love this topic to end on. I think it's, it's amazing. Cause I, I've been blessed. Cause I have, I have you guys, my core group at home, right? Like, I mean, I go home, I literally talk to a couple of you, you know I mean? That, that, you know, that are still lived in California or we come home and it's like the same people, like for the last like six years, you know what I mean? Like, totally. and then I went to Washington and I, and I met Hunter and I met some great people, but you know, me and Hunter became this brotherhood and he's a dude that I can count on for anything. Never hesitation. He'll always be there. And then I, and then I had to fucking leave that. My, I felt so comfortable. I had to leave. I had to go to Reno. And I met another group of, of fucking great people, man, that just, and when you meet these people, like, like when you meet people that are just, that just value life and friendship, like we value friendship. Like this, it's not just, oh yeah, that's my friend. It's like, nah, dude, this is like, once we're family, we're family. Like you need anything you call me. And these are people where like, we go to their house and, and their families are like that. Like they bring you in open arms and it's like, you know, the Neville's I talked about and Reese is a badass dude. And like guys like Sheldon and Reagan and Tyler Crandall, who I've, I've talked about who are just, just badass dudes, but just so nice and so down to earth and just love everybody. But as shit goes south and shit hits the fan, like that's who you want in your corner. Yeah. You know I mean, mm-hmm. um, and I, you met, I, you met my boy, Chris, uh, Chris yep. Solano and his family, just fucking great people, dude. And a great family. And the nicest dudes, but shit goes south. You want them on your squad. You know what I mean? Um, Because they're going to have your back. And that's just something that I think everybody should value. And those check-ins, those FaceTimes, just those those simple text messages of, 
of, Hey, how you doing, bro? How's this? How's that? I see you're doing this. Like that goes such a long way with people because it takes like five seconds. You know what I mean? And totally. the thing is with life, bro, you never know what's going to happen, man. And just keep those people close. And I love it. Cause whenever I'm, whenever I'm up that way by Chris, I hit him up or he comes down, he'll make his trip down to orange County or if I'm on my way to Reno, I know I can hit my boys up, you know, what's, what's going on. What are we doing? Like, let, let's hang out. Let's get together. You know? So it's just like, just, just, just keep those relationships tight, man. Keep them with you. Cause that support goes a long way down the road. Yeah. And I mean, more importantly, or at least as importantly is that we even talked about our own like actual families too, who are just like yes, the yes. most immediate support group that is just like, could be a whole podcast. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And we could create a whole podcast about um, how there's certain parts of our families that we can't stand, which is the same with every family. You know what I mean? There's always yeah. things like, you know, that's not specific to you or me. And then those things are just like, yo, if my brother didn't do this and my sister didn't do that, or my mom or dad didn't do this, or he, like, even if my, if my dog didn't come in like and hang out with me that day when I was just super down, like, it really helped me. And like just all of those like small things that build up and just like, that could be a whole another podcast. And we didn't even dive into that too. So even build, even bringing them into, because sometimes I, I know sometimes like your siblings can get on your nerves or like your parents get on your nerves. And it's just like, you're still living at home. You can't wait to move out. And there's like, but also those are the people in your corner. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, like I had to talk to my dad. Um, cause I would rather go into this as a full topic, but I even had a topic to my dad the other day cause he was, it was about business and he's been doing it for, uh, he was doing it before he retired, you know, 40 years. And sometimes the way he would communicate with me, cause he used to be an executive and I would get really pissed. He's like, do you ask me a question? Why are you mad at me? And I would always be like, cause you answer me like I'm your employee. Like you're my manager. Like talk to me like I'm your son. And he like kind of stepped back and he was just like, I didn't, but like, I wasn't afraid to say, but I was like, Ed's might turn into a thing where we blow up and don't talk to each other for a couple of days because who knows, like how he's going to take it. And he sat back and he was like, I really appreciate you giving me that advice. I didn't realize I was talking to you like that. And it was just like, I had to build up that like communication yeah. pathway. I'd be able to say that's my dad. For sure. But like, he's like one of those people, for example, in my corner of just like, no matter what kind of arguments we have to get into, it's like, at the end of the day, he always, he calls himself to me. It's like, dude, I'm, I'm Mufasa, you know? at the end of the day, like I'm here and like, and I'm, I'm here to protect you. Those are all, any advice I give you is just to create a better life for yourselves and to protect you. And it's just Absolutely. like, I can take those qualities to a lot of like relationships I have beyond just like with my siblings, my mom, and my dad, and honestly, probably my, my, my pups too, but, and like, yeah. and my friends, but it's just like finding those qualities in those people and then finding more of those people to build your circle. Absolutely, man. And just the whole fact of like, sometimes you just want someone to listen. Sometimes you want a bitch. Sometimes you just want to yeah. be pissed off for five minutes and you just want them to listen and you want to be, yeah, dude. And it's, it's life, dude. Life is hard. Life sucks. And you need family. You need people to support you. You need, uh, you know, they say behind every great man's a great woman. You know what I mean? Like if you have a great relationship, uh, you know, a partner, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is, like all that stuff, it, it, it brings value. We've already talked about the value podcast, but every one of those people that I've named and even people I haven't and everybody knows who they are. And I, and I love that those people don't need to get offended that we don't mention them. They know who they are okay. in, our, in our group and our family. And they all bring some sort of value to the table. Like you, like you talk about Kyle, like that guy, God, he's the nicest dude ever. And he's always checking in. He's always giving support, like just love good people, man. And just be a good person because what you put out in the universe is going to be brought back to you. Um, I'm a firm believer in that. And I mean, I think that was a great topic to end on, man. Um, I think that was a good, good, like, just quote there to end on. <laughs> so that's, uh, hey, Luke Bacchusay here signing off. Caleb's going to drop the mic because uh, I really like that one. Just vibing, man. Just, just going off the vibes. I don't know who has the question of the day. Um, honestly, I think it's me. Okay. Um, so 
This is me. <laughs> this is me filling time while we think about it. Okay, I have one. Um, but it's kind of because we said sports, and it was also yeah. because I saw myself with the Muhammad Ali shirt. Yeah. So, what is your favorite sports moment ever? Uh, like professional sports, not your own sports moment, because I remember you taking the TD back or taking one of four hundred TDs back in high school. <laughs> professional sports. Professional sports, like iconic. Um, like, right. did I did I have to see it? Okay, let's do both. I yeah. was just thinking about that there. So, one that you didn't have to see it, your favorite like sports moment, like in history of that you know about, and then the one you saw. I mean, I think you have to kind of go. I'm a Dodger fan. I think the Kurt Gibson home run is probably. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Named, that's why my great thing is named Gibby. Yeah, dude. I mean, yeah. I think that's a, a moment. I think all baseball players, especially Dodger fans, and I think just but like I said, baseball players in general. Um, I mean, my dad always taught me like, don't be the taillights, like in that picture. Yeah. You know I mean, you just missed, um, and I have a, <laughs> I have another side great story to that. Um, and I know it's kind of going off it, but whatever, but we're at a Dodger game and long story short, it's starting to get cold. Dodgers are getting their ass kicked. Right. Um, that's never happened before. Yeah. They're getting their ass kicked and, and it's bad right now. Like, and I think we're, I think they're down like five runs, like, and it's starting to get later in the, uh, the bullpen shitty, like the whole year where the bullpen was just ass. I think it was uh, like four years ago. And, um, yeah, a couple of, yeah, we know. Dog <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, my sister and mom are getting cold and they're like, we don't have to leave, but you know, we're all cold and shit. My dad's like, fuck, I don't know if I want to leave. Like he had a feeling, you know what I mean? He had a feeling if fucking, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't see the Dodgers coming back. I even said like, I don't see the Dodgers coming back, bro. Like, fuck it. And so we're walking to the car. We're getting through everything. We hear how ah, crowd go crazy. Oh, crowd go crazy. We hear like, that's another run for the Dodgers or whatever. Right. My dad's like, motherfucker motherfucker we're getting in the car and we finally get the car we turn it on and like as we're driving it's going it's going playgrounds third playgrounds third he slides it in he slides into home dodgers win dodgers win <laughs> like are you fucking kidding me he's like that's the last time i take you guys to a game he's like, starts freaking out and uh it was it was scary at the time but it's funny to yeah. Talk about yeah that's that that's memory funny. actually popped up on my facebook a couple um a couple of uh, days ago. So it was fucking awesome. So don't be those taillights, Kurt Gibson. Don't be the taillights in that picture missing that awesome football. Yep. Um, one I've witnessed. Oh, damn, dude. I don't like, it could be on TV too. You didn't have to be there. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, be there. I don't know, man. I got to think about it. That's a really, really tough question. I think, um, and then give us a favorite. Cause yeah, that's, that's a tough one to say. I dude. mean, I, I honestly like, um, Conor McGregor's fights, dude. I don't think I could really pick one. I think maybe the Jose Aldo one. I was going to say the Aldo fight for sure. Just because of the whole buildup. And that was kind of like his, I don't know. I don't think it was his debut, but I think it was like his first, no. it might've been his first title shot. Um, but just the whole buildup with him. And then, um, and then he, and then he won his second belt in a different weight class and the whole talking things into existence. And like, and then he goes and fucking does it. Like he literally, I remember because before the documentary came out, I remember, him talking about all that shit like you know what i mean um i'm gonna go i'm gonna i'm gonna knock him out with the right hand it's gonna be over fast and he goes in there and he fucking does it and he gets it done and um I, that's a moment that i'll always remember because it kind of that's what made me start thinking about that shit you know speaking things into existence so okay i think those are pretty two damn good moments yeah man too shabby good answers thank you bro appreciate it do you have any um yeah uh favorite ever is um the 1980 U.S. hockey team beating the, the Russian hockey team in for the movie Miracle. If you haven't seen it, it's arguably the best movie of all time. Yeah, if you've ever watched Miracle, you know, like, there's a moment where a uh, guy, Mike Ruzioni, comes back and, like, he scores, like, the go-ahead game-winning goal against the Russians. 
And uh, it's basically just a bunch of young misfits that shouldn't have beat the Russian hockey team because the Russians, like, won, I don't know, like, what felt like 20 straight years worth of hockey in the Olympics and then everything. And it was, uh, you know, right near the Cold War, there was a lot of stuff going on politically, and uh, we just beat the Russians, which is always a great moment in America, let alone sports history. But then uh, for, um, my favorite, like, ones that I've witnessed, uh, there's, you know, I'm a sports nerd, but I can name three back to back to back because of the three my like of my favorite athletes. Probably my very first favorite, if not you know top three, is Derek Jeter hitting his three thousand hit is a home run off of David Price. That was badass. Um, I lost my marbles in front of my parents. I mean, that was probably like one of the first times that I just like I tossed for like two minutes straight because I was like, <laughs> "Are you effing kidding me? It's the coolest effing thing I've ever seen!" And I freaked out. And my mom was like, "Oh." Okay, he's excited. Um, and then Kobe hitting 60 in his final game. Yeah, um, badass too. Super badass. Um, and then um, actually, it's because the person, one of my favorite people won, but it wasn't even him. Uh, it was, um, was it Malcolm Butler intercepting Russell Wilson. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, at like the one-yard line for the Patriots to seal the uh, Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, I was, I'm a Tom Brady fan, so I was a uh, Patriots fan, so – no, I'm a diehard Bucks fan, but that's besides the point. <laughs> uh, but when that happened, it was just like, what? You didn't run the ball? You just Dude. threw an interception? What? This is great. Literally the coolest thing that could have possibly happened just happened because you should have handed the ball to Marshawn Lynch. And you're like, you guys should have won. Yeah, you just got fucked. I mean, I, that kind of brings up a lot of – I mean, if I could go back and change it, I mean, there's a couple like the Julian Edelman catch. I think that uh, okay. against the Falcons, right? Yep. Yeah. Falcons, uh, that was a fucking badass catch. It was the catch, and they come back off that huge comeback win. Um, one that I did that I witnessed was um, the Bush push. Um, USC beating Notre Dame, um, and Reggie Bush pushing in Matt Leinard uh, to win the game. And then I remember just Reggie Bush moments of him stopping on a dime and putting the ball behind his back against Fresno State and taking it back for a touchdown. I mean, Reggie Bush was awesome to watch. I wore number five because of him. Um, and then um, another good one, and everybody hated Trey this night. We're all at my house watching the Lakers versus Celtics, and Trey was the only one in the house running for the Celtics, and fucking Ron Artest gets the ball, and I very, very, very vividly remember Dave yelling, don't shoot it, don't shoot it, <laughs> and he fucking drains the three. I think it was to go ahead, right? Yeah. He drains the three, and everybody's like, holy shit. Everybody starts freaking out. Um, that was a great moment, too. Um, so you kind of sparked a couple good ones for me. Um, cause I, on the spot, I could not think about yeah. it, but. Or, or D fish with 0.4 seconds left. D fish. That was a great one too. Oh gosh. So cool. I remember so like, many good it's like one of those ones where it's just like, I remember where I was. I was in an old neighbor's house. I don't even they live there anymore. I was with yeah. my brother, Ethan and like our old neighbor watching it. Cause he was a diehard Laker fan. It was you, you know, what's crazy too, is I remember cause I watched it on TV. We we're eating dinner one night and my dad's like, Oh, there's Nevada versus Boise state on right now. Let's just watch that. And it was late, and we turned it on in overtime, and Kaepernick is driving down the fucking field. Um, I, forgot how, I forgot how it went. You know, uh, we, we made it. Boise made it. Uh, we missed. Boise missed whatever. And then um, Boise got the ball back for their overtime. They missed a field goal, and, we, and Nevada fucking drills it to beat Boise State. And that was like when Nevada had the crazy good season with Kaepernick, and yeah. um, they, they smashed Boise. And a lot of good uh, Hawaii moments as well. I grew up a Hawaii Warriors fan. And watching Colt Brennan play at quarterback was yeah awesome. And he had that crazy good season, and he had some fucking 
crazy games, and he was the all-time quarterback swag leader. So a lot of good uh, sports moments growing up for us and um, witnessing a lot of crazy good shit. And see how far the games have kind of evolved, Probably. dude, which is pretty nuts. So, um, yeah, great episode, I think, man. That was awesome. Some great topics we touched on, and I hope that um, people listening can either – you know, enjoy some of these moments with us and, and relate to these topics that we talked about. And yeah, you have anything else before we sign off, Luke? No, just again, uh, more importantly, just thank you for giving us some of your time. Um, you know, this one probably ran a little long. I haven't really been keeping track of time, but that's usually a good thing because that means we were having fun. We were just uh, riffing. <laughs> but uh, more importantly than that is also if you have anything um, to ask us, anything that you want us to talk about, because um, we said after uh, last podcast and uh, or two podcasts ago, and it was like, oh, like 14 people just listened and sent me something as soon as we dropped it. Like what? So um, keep doing that. It's really interesting and to like see what people think. And more importantly is uh, there's a very good chance that we'll talk about a topic if you bring it up. So yeah, more, more importantly, or not more importantly, as much as again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving us some of your time. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys and uh, stay tuned for more good content and keep following us, subscribe, post, rate, all that good stuff. And uh, we will see you guys soon. Thank you. Thank you.